Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. This sounds like something right out of a horror movie. Um, A rare and fatal flesh-eating bacteria. Okay. Scary. I, I don't know what it is about that one in particular that freaks me out, but flesh-eating bacteria. That I don't want that. Um, it's spreading along the east coast of the United States, slowly but surely working its way north. And now experts are starting to raise the alarm. It could end up in Canada, off the coast and inland, too, if water temperatures in oceans and lakes continue to rise. We don't want this. So let's find out exactly what it is we're talking about with Elizabeth Archer an associate tutor of school and environmental sciences at the University of East Anglia and the lead study author into this bacteria. Elizabeth, thanks so much for your time today. I appreciate you being here. Hello. Hi. Thank you so much for inviting me on your show. Um, You're in the UK, right? Yes, I am. Yeah, I'm in Norwich in East Anglia. Yes. In Norwich. (laughs) It's evening for us at the moment. Excellent. Oh, yeah, exactly. I appreciate you uh, taking some time for us today. Let's just start with this bacteria that we're talking about. What is it and how, you know, it it infects humans, correct? Yes, yes, correct. So um, this this bacteria, it's called Vibrio vulnificus, and it's found in sort of low salinity coastal waters, um, particularly warm waters, and it can infect sort of a cut. It doesn't have to be a very large cut. It could just be sort of an insect bite, um, perhaps if someone was swimming. And um, this can sort of rapidly develop into sort of a, a horrible wound infection. Um, they can be particularly serious, so it's really important that people are aware of this sort of problem, especially as we've sort of seen the emerging into new new geographical regions but yes it's it's a bacteria that's found in the marine environment and um, can cause these wound infections in humans um how common is it like how many cases do we see of this yeah so they're not actually very common um we've seen so in in the study we we sort of say, say that we found um around 80 cases per year sort of in 2018 on the east coast of the u.s that's the the area that we were focusing on. So they're not very common, um, but if someone is infected with these um, with this bacteria, they have around a one in five chance of dying from the infection. Um, so it's, it's, yeah, it's a very severe form of infection, but they're not very common. Um, is it always fatal? I mean, what's the outcome here? How severe can it be? Yeah, so as I say, so there's about a one in five chance of someone someone dying from the infection. It's Typically, the the term flesh eating comes from this medical term of necrotizing fasciitis. Right, so yeah. essentially, the the bacteria kind of destroys the tissue around the wound. Um, that's where that term comes from. And yes, they they can progress within a matter of you know days, hours. They're they're very um, that the infections progress very rapidly, which is why it's important to get treatment very quickly. Um, and to sort of stop the spread of the infections, people sometimes you know, they might need tissue removing or limbs amputated. So it's, it can have a, a big impact on yeah. people's lives that have 
even survived the infection. Yeah, it's pretty awful. Now, up until recently, yeah. it's been found primarily in the southern U.S., right? In the warmer water, correct? Yeah, correct. It's sort of mainly been found around sort of the Gulf um, Gulf of Mexico states, so Texas, Florida in particular. And that was sort of at the in the sort of 1980s. But we've seen this increase um, further north of these infections. How, yeah, like how far north? Where where are we starting to see cases emerging now? Um, so now we're sort of the upper limit of their sort of main distribution is around kind of Philadelphia, um, so New Jersey sort of area. That's pretty far um, north. That's yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, we we looked at the thirty year period, so between like nineteen eighty eight and twenty eighteen, and over that thirty year period. So we've seen this increase sort of every year. Cases are being reported further and further north. Um, and, yeah, you can see that in our in our paper. We've got a good map about that. Now, is it strictly in oceans or is there also some concern that it may start to move inland? Because I know your, your research includes lakes and seaways and things like that. Um, so the, these particular bacteria require, they require salt to grow. So they, they won't be found in freshwater such as lakes that are pure fresh water. Um, but they, they, as I was saying earlier, they prefer lower salinity. So that's where we see they're, they're more common in sort of estuaries and maybe inlets and bays where people might want to, you know, go swimming or, or something, which is why we're trying to raise awareness of this. Um, how is it spread? That spread, is it slow and steady? Is it accelerating? What's the prediction of where this might end up in, say, a year or five years? Mm, okay, so actually, the, the sort of increase north over that 30 year period is much further, sort of geographically, than our models predict into the future. So, as we were saying, we've seen this, this move from the Gulf Coast sort of area to around Philadelphia and then we've sort of used this relationship with temperature to predict into the future where they the cases yeah. could be found and yeah so by mid-century our models sort of indicate that they could be sort of more around sort of Connecticut as the sort of upper limit which is not a huge increase over that sort of same time period that we've seen previously um, and then yeah by the end of the century it depends on this sort of level of climate change because we looked at different climate change scenarios and sort of the lower emission scenarios, the the northern limit doesn't sort of move too much past sort of Connecticut, but then the the higher sort of medium to high emission scenario, we've seen these infections potentially could be in sort of Maine. Hmm. What about, I'm thinking St. Lawrence Seaway, which connects the Great Lakes to yeah. the Atlantic Ocean. I mean, is there a concern there? Uh, so, in in terms of our study in the models, we we also looked look at an extreme um, extreme climate change scenario, but it's not it's not um, likely to be this pathway that we take because of increasing clean energy use. And this particular climate change scenario requires sort of even more investment in um, greenhouse gas uh, fossil fuel industries. And in that scenario, we did see the sort of areas of risk popping up in um, the St. Lawrence um, and sort of Bay of Fundy sort of areas. So, I mean, that is a very sort of extreme scenario, but these are these are models, they're statistical models. It's not reality. We can't sort of um, 
say for certain. So I think what's really important is that people living in that area, if they have a particular sort of uh, at-risk condition, so one thing in particular that is a risk condition is having liver damage, um, or if you're a senior citizen and it's sort of really warm temperatures and the sea is really warm, it's perhaps not a good idea to go swimming if you have a cut. That's what we're sort of trying to say here is like, and if, if you're going on holiday to the East Coast, again, it's something to be aware of. But we're not trying to scare everyone to not going to yeah, the beach. Right. It's it, it's not, yeah. I mean, it, it, there's an increasing prevalence. Of course, it's great to know about it. A um, couple of quick questions mm-hmm. from uh, from uh, the listeners that have sent me texts. First of all, they want to know, can my dog get it? If, if dogs go in the water, uh, they would be exposed to it just as much, right? Um, that's a very good question. <laughs> and um, I only study the, the human infections. Yeah, fair enough. Um, I mean, so I can't say for sure whether that's that's a problem. I don't know if anyone has actually studied that. What um, a, is it contagious? So, like, if yeah. I if I if I contract it and I'm in the water, can I can I spread it to somebody else, or does it? Do you have to come into contact with the bacteria and basically have an opening in the skin somewhere? Yeah, so you you can't really spread it okay. person to person. It doesn't spread that way. It's more if you go into the environment and you have a cut, and then you're infected through that cut. Got you, got you. Um, Elizabeth, thank you so much for being here. Great information, I appreciate it.